The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't even figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot. And really, a disloyal person. This is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Thursday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe at Cuse Militia on the socials. Go there. Join the militia. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us. We appreciate all of you. We are back to talk a little football, a little basketball. Today is the 19th anniversary of the 2003 national title game. For the Orange against Kansas, ironically enough. And I just hope one day that uh, we don't have to just do this every year. That we can maybe celebrate something a little more recent. Because next year's the big 2-0. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's, getting a, it's getting a little further back in history yet another year. So when you reach 20 yeah. years, right? I mean, that's, you know, starting Well, to- and you can't say like, oh, this is the however many years their 19th anniversary of making a final four because we made a final four since then right but the good thing about this is and it's not just the national championship but two days ago it was 19 years from the sack only only the greatest dunk <laughs> ever the in a history the texas teabag yeah yeah so like 10 times in a row you know I mean, yeah, that's always that's so you can sell you can go 35, 45, 50 years with that, with the sack. But hey, until there's another dunk, until there's a better uh, dunk in the tournament, I I'm going to celebrate it. I mean, seriously. So a little different, though. So hopefully we got something, something to celebrate. What a run by UNC, by the way. Good job on them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you to UNC. So here's my rule in the ACC. Joe's got a different rule. I like as many ACT, ACC teams to make it to the Sweet 16 as possible. Uh, just to shut everybody up. Because it always seems to be some ACC, uh, just the trite reports from the national reporters, right? So, yeah. And, 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 you know, because it, I feel like it is like the, the best conference for basketball. And it has been for a while. And so people want to knock the Giant down. The Giants ACC, let's be honest. Uh, 50% of the Final Four was ACC teams. Um, had those guys been on the opposite ends of the bracket, they would have probably had a great opportunity to face each other in championship, which would have been, that was the probably, I, I, I don't want to go over my skis here, but that was probably from, from memory. That was the best game in the tournament was the Duke UNC final four game. And and, well, when you get that far, there were some good ones. There was good games. There was. St. Peter's, North Carolina. When North Carolina beat UCLA, you know, they came back. I didn't think they were going to win that game. Um, But I think you're right because 
I don't think that Kansas, you know, when you talk about a Duke, North Carolina Final Four matchup, right? You know those guys are going all out, right? They left it all out there. Did I hear correctly? They've never met in the tournament. Never, ever. That is wild. Yeah, and you know how that went, right? So that's why I was saying I wish it would have been the NCAA tournament final because to me personally, I thought that the the winner of that game was going to go lose to Kansas anyway because I thought that Kansas was going to get a little bit of an easy game because Villanova, not that deep, we played them earlier, but they lost a guy in the um, Elite Eight to an Achilles uh, tear. So I kind of knew that Kansas was going to be able to get that, and I also knew that whoever won between UNC Duke it was going to take so much out of them emotionally and physically that I didn't think they were going to be prepared for Kansas two days later, and that just came out to be true. I mean, it was unfortunate that Baycott um, wasn't 100%, and you know, North Carolina, they came out and they, they, they took a huge lead, but we all know basketball and the Syracuse fans, we know that a 15-point lead at halftime doesn't mean doesn't mean anything so doesn't doesn't equate to a win well we lost what there was three or four different games this year where we were up by more than 15 and came and we lost we were lost down by 18 twice to miami and they beat us yeah and in in north carolina in in the championship game uh that second half they just looked tired worn out and um then once kansas Kansas started started making shots they were missing shots well then the pressure got to them caleb love played the worst game since probably before we played him in the regular season and he's the one that carried him there so um so yeah i mean kudos to the acc and you know my rule is is that once we get there um to the tournament i want to see as many acc teams win unless we're in the tournament and we have an acc team in our little uh you know in our region so um but yeah i mean it's for only having what five teams in there Mm -hmm. i think they they showed out uh my rule is i don't want an acc team to win a championship and my other rule is anyone but Duke. And the only time I root for UNC is when they play Duke. So that shows how down to the wire it came for me. I just did not. I just <laughs> did not. I did not want any of those happenings. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just how I'm built. I, I, have a, I have a pure hatred for Duke. And, well. um, and, and it goes beyond. It goes beyond. It was before. Joe, you know this. I've talked about it before. I won't get into it. But it goes beyond. Um, my brother is a Duke fan from Syracuse. He was so confident in himself. And I was just like, just letting him. I, I never get that cocky because I just. It's too nerve wracking for me to be that cocky. Right. In, in Syracuse games. So I just leave it alone. I just like to watch no. the game and, 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 and see what the outcome is. But. Yeah. And, I, and I watched a lot of Duke basketball with your brother growing up. So, I mean, there were some players that I liked and they weren't in the ACC. They didn't or uh, Syracuse wasn't in the ACC. We didn't play them a lot. And I knew that Bayheim and Coach K were they were friends and they coached with each other and stuff. So and then with his his last season, I mean, I know that there's some people that can separate it. You know, there's people that just hate Duke. And I understand that. But I mean, I, I respect what Coach K did with that program because Bayheim kind of did the same thing with this program. And they're friends and they won Olympic gold. And I I mean, I respect the guy. So um, I can yeah. look past that now. I can respect the guy and not want him to win another national championship on his way out in the exit door. Uh, well, I get that. But now it changes. Because Coach K and that respect and that, um, I think it changes a little bit for me, especially since we've been in the ACC for a little while. Wasn't a huge fan of John Shire. And um, now that Coach K is gone, I think it's going to be a lot easier for me to cheer against Duke. Okay, well, fair enough. But, uh, you know, funny Roy Williams was, was watching both of his old teams play each other, too, in the national title game. So 
as he was the head coach of Kansas when we beat him in 2003. So, um, yep. pretty, pretty neat all the way around, I think. And, um, yeah. and, and Baycott's a trooper. I, I, if I'm going to give my hats off to anybody in this whole tournament, it's probably Baycott. Honestly, I think, yeah. I mean, that dude, he, you know, we don't know how injured he was. He came through in the, in the, in the final game, obviously looking a mm-hmm. little, a little, a little torn and worn at, at the end of that thing. And, you know, there's always one, there's always one player on a team I hate that I can give plenty of respect to. And he's, he's probably the one. So mm-hmm. for, for this year for me. Um, all right. Look, we are going to start with football. But first, we are going to start with Athletic Greens. Tons of people take a multivitamin. It's important that you choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, mineral, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenience daily nutrition especially during cold and flu season it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a one year supply of immune supporting vitamin d gummies in five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink again that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance Colorcast is a live audio only sports talk platform Free to download news, talk to us, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app. It's free in iOS or Android stores. Go there, download that, create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join the league or group. You can follow us at Q's Militia to be notified when our room goes live. It has not gone live yet. Guys, we're working on it. Okay. Thank you. Athletic Greens and ColorCast. Okay, Joe, April Fool's Day, just last, a week ago, this coming Friday, tomorrow, was yep. the spring game. And, um, you know, I don't know how much you take out of out of this game, you know, the ones versus the twos and things like that. But fun to watch. Good to see some football. First time televised for us, I believe. And, um, you know, just to give you a little, just to kind of help us switch gears, even though all of the, the Syracuse basketball news, probably still some more to, to come, was hitting at the same week. But the good and the bad, Joe, um, the bad, you, I think you've mentioned it before with the secondary. I know we talked about it last year, but I think you, you, you went in depth on it a little bit at some point. Uh, besides Williams and Deuce, right? So um, maybe some work to do there, to say, the, to say the least. Uh, in, in depth in general uh, on the defensive end, Joe, I mean, you know, you're, you're the football guy. So I know, you, I know you, take, you could take a lot out of this spring game, a whole lot more than I could. And... You know, you anal- you tend to analyze these things a little bit more than me, but just as a just a, a, from a pedestrian view, uh, that's kind of where I landed my bad. 
What as far as the secondary? It's je- the, the yes. As the bad, I think. Well, the de- see, so it's tough to get a good and a bad when it comes to this. They, I, I know the whole thing's tough to analyze. It really is. Well, especially when you have the ones going against the twos, and then you know, I mean, that's so to speak. Especially when you have Garrett Schrader out, Sean Tucker out. So you're looking at a situation where we had our first team defense going against. Um, technically our third and fourth string quarterbacks, um, walk on running backs, um, the line linemen that haven't really played that much. So it was just tough to really see because, you know, our, our, our first string defense, I mean, we expect to be pretty good in this, this and that, but it's hard to gauge, you know, I mean, I think that our back eight's good. I think that we do have depth in, 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 in the secondary. I just don't know. How good? How many players? But well, so I'll get to the other to the other side. But it's hard to look at uh, our defensive line situation when they're going against guys that haven't even really gotten any game action. You know, as far as on the offensive line for the second string offense, Uh, and you notice the really second string offense really didn't do anything until second half when really they were taking all the starters out and stuff like that anyway. So um, then you flip side it, and again Schrader didn't play and Tucker didn't play. So you're like, okay, let's see. Well, the second string defense was pretty much filled with walk-ons and scholarship players that haven't really seen the field. They're either red shirt or really don't really have game action. So as much as I'd like to say, oh, I like what Umari Hatcher did. I mean, Justin Lampson throwing dimes for two touchdowns. I think he had two two plays in a two. row. Damon Alford and, and passes, yeah, Umari right? Hatcher. Right. Now, that looked good, and it's exciting. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. who who are uh-huh. they going against? Right. And they're exactly. going against guys True. that probably aren't even going to see the field for us this year. Um, and same same goes for running backs. I thought LaQuint Allen, I mean, he scored a touchdown. He had some good plays. Um, Juwan Price transferred out of New Mexico State. He had a good run. Okay, stop um, stop there at Juwan Price, okay? Because, I mean, when we're looking at a backup for Sean Tucker, is he going to be someone that's going to be able to give Tucker a break, but not just a break, but be... Um, I don't want to say a threat, but be put in productive minutes as he gives Sean Tucker a break. Someone with a, See, a little bit, ex, a little bit of experience. You got, you can't just, you can't just take a guy off the field because he needs a break and he's your workhorse. You got to have someone that can come in and be able to pick up some of that. Because if he's just going to come in to give someone a break and block, I mean, they're if he gets, you know what I'm saying? They're going to make, it's going to make him one dimensional instantly. Yes. Well, yes. And and the thing is, is that realistically, when you look at a player like Sean Tucker, just like last year, right? You saw how many times we ran. Um, there were some games we thought that he should run more. There was play. There was people out there that yeah, said some of his play calling stuff. They should, we be giving him, they should be giving him 20, 30 plays or uh, runs a game. Right. And there were some that we kind of went away from it because we were getting, you know, kind of beat by a lot. So we had to go to the to the, the passing game. Right. But realistically, when you look at it, if Sean Tucker's healthy, then he's going to be getting a majority of the snaps anyway. Um, I do like switching some players out, and you know, as long as there's some receiving um, situations, which I think LaQuinn Allen's pretty good. I hadn't really seen it with Juwan Price yet. Um, then maybe you get him in his third down backs or if he's tired and stuff like that. But I mean, I think more or less... The way that I look at it is, is not let's not get somebody that can get in there and get burned and get this and get that. I want guys that Okay, Sean Tucker goes down, he's out for four weeks. 
Yeah, you got to have someone to fill I, those shoes. We need those guys right. to be ready exactly. to come in. That's what I'm saying. As a team to be able to take over, right? I don't really care too much about a play here, a play there, all right? Not really worried about it. And on top of that, with the guys, with a, you know, Jason Beck and Robert and I coming in, I think that it's going to be a little bit more, I don't I don't want to say more pass happy, but I think that we'll probably run the ball still a lot, but I think it's going to be more close to even with the, you know, the uh, the pass and run situation. What, what so, do you think of an eyes offensive scheme? Although, you know, very vanilla, obviously, for the most part, but he threw a trick play in there. It worked, right? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, all together, though, he's still getting his footing, too, and getting to know the guys and everything like that. But first impressions, what do you think? I mean, I think I can't really go off of the impression because it's spring game. They're not going to show anything. Right. Exactly. They're still they're still in an evaluation period. Right. Like they're yeah, still they're trying to figure out, out what they got with receivers, what we're going to do, what formations can we use. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you can look, you can go and you can every article out there once this hire was out there. And even with Bronco Mendenhall talking about it, these guys have been great from BYU through Virginia of taking their personnel and you know, they're not trying to, to fit a square peg in a round hole. They yeah, take they their personnel and they that. massage it right. around that. Right? right. And we've also seen them, Jason Beck, uh, definitely turn more athletic run first quarterbacks into actual competent passers who have made the NFL and are still in the NFL. Right. So I have all the confidence in the world that they're going to be able to do that. It's just whether or not we have the personnel that they think we can get it done, right? I mean, we look at the offensive line. I mean, we did a lot better last year with run blocking, and we're going to run. Uh, we got to get better with pass blocking. And then you look at the receivers. Everyone's like, oh, the receivers. You know, we talked last year. Obviously, we we, we talked, spoke at nauseum. Like, Quilly's out there, but he's really only out there to run block because he's a really good run blocker. But, I mean, I think all of that's going to end. Um, I think they're going to be able to put people in different formations. They're going to be able to put people in motion because that's really what happens. Is, is if you put your receivers out there and we're running, 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 then the other def- the defense is going to come in. They're going to put eight men in the box. They're going to put them on your receivers on an island with the corners, and it's going to be one-on-one, man-to-man. And I don't think that our receivers last year were good enough at just – getting off the ball man to man but that's where like motion comes in that's where your motion maybe they're in a zone that changes everything or you're in a motion and now you're in movement as the ball is snapped and then you can take off upfield so there's little things that you can do that can help your receivers your all position players to make things a little bit easier make up for some disadvantages that you have and sadly last year the last couple of years with Gilbert he just didn't have that he didn't have a quarterback coach to help him and he really didn't have that in his arsenal. Um, we, we talked about that last year. We talked about so many different things. Is it this? Is it that? I think it was a combined bunch of everything. And I think Jason Beck and Robert and I are going to use the tools that they have that they used before to make sure that they can maximize the talent and the output of these players by putting them in whatever position to win. And I don't think that last year Sterling Gilbert really play called and, and, and had enough tools in in the bag so to speak to to make our guys successful yeah well one thing and does have i guess is um justin lamson not for anything he looked very comfortable out there and he can sling the ball he's very he's very accurate seems to be right and i mean he put it right where it's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be. yeah yeah so you know you've got um 
yeah, we don't know. And then there's the transfer who I guess it just really wasn't. I don't didn't see enough good things. Valari, uh, yeah, no. I, I didn't see enough out of him. But um, Justin Lampson looks like a, like a, a talented quarterback. I mean, like he's like I've said, everything I'm saying is prefaced with I don't know really what to take away from any of this. Okay, it, it, you're watching a scrimmage against a, a team scrimmage, and it's tough to take anything away from it. But as far as the mechanics, uh, where the ball was. The, how the ball was thrown and what it looked like, uh, the timing, everything looked pretty good. With oh, and the way he moved, yeah, the way that he finished yeah. with physicality, he wasn't yep. running out of bounds and stuff accurate, like that again. Accurate, long down the field, which is something we've missed, you know. Um, and being able to move is obviously huge. Um, in but you know we we've Garrett Trader can move too, so but he's yes. just missing a little bit of the other, so. Right, and, and and this is goes to anybody who thinks that Garrett Schrader isn't going to be our starter. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, just stop. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people, like, I mean, when you look at his stats it, and everything, like, yes, he struggled to do that, but we also know that there was some hits that he took last year where once he took a couple, he took that hit, he didn't look the same for the rest of the year. Yeah, and we know yeah. that he had offensive line pass blocking struggles. He had play calling struggles. He had receivers getting open. So there was a lot going on there that I think that – having a quarterback coach and an offense coordinator who's got so much just they've been working together forever, right? So they're they're going to they're going to be able to fix this. This was evaluation. It's tough to take a lot out of it because they're just learning formations. They're seeing what players can do. And spring ball, spring practice is all about excitement and optimism and getting the fan base, you know, pumped up. Um, when it comes to the players, yeah, you, there's some depth chart stuff, but realistically, it's like there's a lot of spots. We have, we have a lot of returning players. There's a lot of spots where we kind of know that we where players are going to be locked up. Yeah, we didn't you know? see that. We didn't see our our big stars weren't out there really. So well, no, those... and we know Deuce. We know Deuce and Garrett are going to start. We know certain other players are going to start. We know that there's going to be certain players are going to get playing time no matter what. And Really, this is for the players that are trying to come in and fill positions of, of people that we lost. And really, it's how good can you get in the playbook, not mess up? How much do you understand and you can get on the same page and, and pick it up quick? And that kind of stuff, really, it just gives you kind of a leg up going into the fall because that's kind of like the coach's lasting memory. But it also tells you what you have to work on going into the summer. So there's going to be summer uh, practices and workouts and, and they know what they need to do and they're going to get their, you know, continuity together and come fall. We're going to see, we're going to see, we're going to see a way better, especially often. I mean, defensive line, we don't know, but as far as offense, I think that we're going to see a better offense because yeah, we do have, yeah. I mean, think about I it. Agree. Think about there was times last year where our offense stayed with some good teams and we scored some good points, put ourselves in position to win. Our defense didn't have a lot of turnovers, still kept us in, you know, until near the end of the year in positions to win. And that was against the fact that we had kind of, I don't want, I hate to say incompetent, but, you know, everybody questioned Sterling Gilbert's play calling. Right. I mean, it's not like a big surprise that someone would call it incompetent. It's not like a shocker. But but but, but, but I'm saying I expect I expect something completely different, right? Yeah. And then I expect the offensive line to be better. We still got a majority of our weapons coming back. So at the end of the day, um, to see what we did put together out on the field for that offense, especially after the Devito debacle for the year before that, in the first couple games, like with with all the things going against them and they still put up those type of numbers and Sean Tucker still did what he did. 
I mean, it's hard for me not to think that that these two aren't going to make a difference. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, the big I, elephant. I mean, in... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say. I mean, I it just just from um, just from the standpoint of having some new coaches in, and, and it, it happened so fast that we saw. I mean, coach was throwing everything he could at this this upcoming year because he knows what kind of impression he needs to make, and it's a sink or swim moment for him. And these these two coaches are huge gets, and we talked about that when we got them. And like you said, um, they're going to be able to. They have historically built their programs around their players, and that's what you got to do. And I think, to your point, that's what um, Gilbert failed to do. I think he was trying to create something out of whole cloth, just wasn't there. And then they just had to. First of all, the whole thing right from the get go with the quarterback situation was a mess, mm-hmm. and, and should have just should have would have could have just made the decision earlier because I think we were worried about hurting someone's feelings. And I think I thought it was, it was close. It was clear to me. It was clear to you because we agreed, but everybody else was like, there was like, you know, you still had the Tommy DeVito fan base out there. That was just like, you know, he's got to start and give him a chance. And I just think it was such a waste. The first three games to go through all that and not have that figured out and have live tryouts when the season starts, it is almost like, sticking a sword through yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like falling on the sword. Uh, you know, it's like, we're just going to use this as a tryout. So here we go. Let's try to win. Yeah. And you especially know? when you see some of those games, right? I mean, you went to the Virginia Tech game exclusively. That was right? the best and game the Syracuse other, played all year, I think. And, and some of the other games, even after when he started, you watch and it's like, why hasn't he been starting? It's pretty obvious that this guy should be, you know, why didn't this guy start from the beginning? Do you see what he can do? I mean, even if he doesn't throw a pass, like. Yeah, what was that game? You know, what just, was that one game? Wasn't he, him and Tucker both, like, pushing 200 yards or something like that on the ground? Yeah, yeah our rushing attack was ridiculous last year. The yeah. fact that defenses knew that yeah, and we they still were couldn't stop one, one-dimensional and we still had a bad offensive coordinator who didn't couldn't get out of his own way and we still put up those numbers so i mean that's really what's got me motivated as far as optimistic about this team for sure and just seeing some of those guys i think a lot of those offensive guys are are pumped i do think like i mean courtney um jackson right it's courtney jackson he's gonna have you know he started picking it up you could see at the end of the year that him and and schrader were starting to devon cooper's back i didn't think he was going to be back he's damian alford made some good plays last year like damian alford yeah 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 and i mean we know queely's there for i mean he's gonna block but i mean if we can get other guys that can block then at the end of the day um he he might not be out there as much but even amari hatcher i mean that guy is fast did you see that move i mean i know it was against the i mean yeah we got some options. They're just young, and it's just how our our coach is going to put them into positions to get success, be successful, because that's what they need to do. And I just don't think our coaches did that. And I think Dino, he saw that. That's why he went and he got a quarterback coach for the first time since he's been here with an offensive coordinator. He realized after one year that okay, we do need a special teams coach, right? Like these are the things that yeah, he played we it off out. like we didn't, but yeah. Obviously. Well, and we do have to understand too that there was a lot of things that you could have looked at from the season prior and just blamed it on COVID. Sure, but right, right. Yeah. Sterling Gilbert's first year, Tommy's first year starting, COVID happened, this weird stuff, no fans. Like, there's a lot of things that you could have went from the year before when we went Gosh, one in dark times. ten or whatever. What dark times that was with no fans? 
Dude. It was really bad. Oh, and gosh. There was a lot. Of, that was almost like a, a gimme year, right? So there's a lot of a lot of ways you could have been you could have said like, oh, you're gonna give him that one. We're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. We're gonna. And then last year, it was kind of an open your eye realization. Okay, now it's happened two years in a row. So we got to do something different. And they did. And they opened up the checkbooks and they got some they got some guys, man. They got some coaches that I think are going to turn if they're going to turn the tide around, especially with the way that the offense, you know, the offense played good last year. But I expect to step up and, and definitely I expect to step up in the special teams. Without There's no excuse for what happened last year. Yeah, I agree. Without setting any expectations, I would just say that I'm very excited to see early what kind of production we get out of these wide receivers and and the running backs too there was one thing i I just wanted to bring up because josh huff was such a huge huge recruit um once he committed and we were watching him in high school right so you and i talked about this off there but um to see him not get any burning where what was he playing where was he i'm pretty sure they got him playing d tackle okay okay all right so, of course, he's built for that, right? I mean, in whatever, right? But because he's huge. His legs are huge. I mean, he's a powerhouse. But He's a big guy. Yeah. But, you know, this dude's r- rushing for 300 yards a game in high school and stuff. But that's high school, you know? And being that, such, a, such a fan favorite as a recruit because we watched him his senior year in high school after his verbal commit, right? And, you know... Uh, you don't see him in the running back position even getting a little bit of burn in the spring game. It makes you wonder a little bit. It made me wonder a little bit. Well, yeah, and that's why I told you that they got him running a D tackle and not running back. I mean, it's then yeah. that's sometimes again, it's a situation where you recruit somebody based upon their athleticism, right? I don't think he played in a really high. I don't think he played at a high level high school in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, you watch those those tapes, and he, I mean, there was there was runs where they just pitched it to him, and he went out to the outside, and it wasn't like he beat people because he was fast. They were bouncing off He's of his just thighs. just running over him, yeah. Right, like, yeah, stiff arm, and, and I'm not, this isn't to poo-poo his running back ability, but at the end of the day, ACC's a different beast. DNs, if you you do a pitch to Josh Huff in ACC, the DN is getting him for a four-yard loss, and that's just oh, that's too, crux not, of not the Not fast enough, not fast enough. So, but he's 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 fast for his size, right? But he's not fast. He's not enough. fast for a running back in the ACC. Um, okay, I can see a situation where, and again, it's the same thing with Chris Elmore. Everyone was like, "Oh, tight end, fullback." This is that. I remember a couple years ago, there was a year when he played offensive line. There was a year when he yeah. was playing fullback and he was going in and helping in D tackle. Um, he's listed as two ninety. Is it because he can't run? Is something going on, or is it because? We lost all these details. Well, we needed we needed help there, yeah, that year. I mean, our returning our returning best returning defensive tackle, I think, Terry Lockett, which he's not he's a, a decent prospect, but he was a true freshman last year. I don't even think he's tilting he's breaking two seventy yet. So that's if there's one worry, that's my worry. And you know, and honestly, it's kind of telling when you see Chris Elmore saying that he is, you know, um, up to 290, and then you move Josh Huff to D tackle. I mean, that kind of tells me that the coaches really aren't necessarily comfortable or satisfied with that position right now, too. And that's to me our, my biggest issue because even when you look at D end, we got Okachekwu, we got Linton, um, uh, what was it, uh, Francois Knowlton, 
the true freshman from Florida. He had a sack and a forced fumble. Uh, Dennis Jacquez, another true freshman that yeah, came Jacquez, in from Florida. Yeah. He had it. So I'm not worried about defensive ends. And our other end, I mean, we got linebackers, you know, that are going to do some stuff too. I'm worried about right there in the middle, those two D tackles. Um, okay. Anything anything else to, to hit on for, for spring football? It's too bad there's not like a ton of news that comes out for football, but you know what? I'm fine with it actually. Well, I mean, so I guess I guess my biggest thing is is that right now, um we have um a couple guys that we're looking at that we have offered um scholarships. Yeah, two of them, right? Two. Um yes. So the first one, Cam Good, he's from South Florida. He's transferring. Uh, he um, he uh, visited, and now he's also – I think he's also visited Vanderbilt as well. So he's got a couple of visits or whatever. But, I mean, he's coming from South Florida. He's a defensive tackle, 6'2", 315 pounds. Uh, he's got some experience, and um, that could be definitely one guy that, um, you know – could definitely help us in our situation without a doubt. And um, the other one, Curtis Dunlap, is a transfer from Rutgers, who just actually went in the transfer portal. And he's a 6'5", 335-pound offensive lineman that could possibly um, come in and help us in in the trenches as well. So at this point, um, those two guys would be very, very very welcome faces. And that's really – the only thing that I've really seen, there might be some other guys on the radar, but I'd love to be able to bring some guys in the trenches to be able to solidify some. You know, maybe this guy comes in, takes Aaron Cervais' spot, and this Cam Good guy would probably come in and start from the beginning just based upon his size. So, um, Shane Curtis Harper didn't come back because we had a spot for him, but uh, there's still a little bit of work to do, but there's not much time left. You'd have to assume that probably within the next month or so, these guys are going to be making the decision um, because summer practice is starting soon. So, I mean, other than that, there's a little bit of possibility of maybe, um, you know, a little bit more optimism in those areas. But other than that, that's all the the news I've seen about it. Okay. All right. We are going to move ahead to some basketball news, the news that rolled us over all week. Some good, some bad. And uh, then we'll talk about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's left? Uh, right after we talk about Athletic Greens, $3 a day gets you all the nutrition you need. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu seasons. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash sports drink again that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take uh, ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Color Cast is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download news, talk to us, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Uh, also, it's really easy. Go to the iOS or Android store, download the app, create a profile, link it to your Twitter account, join whatever league or group you want. Follow us at Q's Militia to be notified when our room goes live. It has not yet, but we do still go live during the show on the Green Room app, Spotify Green Room. So we are we always try to hit that up. The color cast will be reserved for things that are extracurricular that we have time for, which isn't a whole lot right now. Dude, I never knew... It's my son's first year of uh, high school across. And my gosh, man, six days a week. Actually, we're going on like eight days straight right now. But uh, it's consumed me and my wife and the rest of the family because they don't have a choice. And it's tough to get. I mean, we had to push this off to Thursday. This was either Monday or Thursday. I couldn't do it. Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. So we're here Thursday. So anyways... Um, it's brutal and we're not even playing like out of town. It's not travel lacrosse for crying out loud. It's, <laughs> it's, we haven't left Virginia beach yet. So, uh, anyway, um, okay. Uh, Cole Swider. Look, we talked about Cole. We mm. were, we were hoping Cole was coming back. You know, we lose, we lose quite a bit with Cole, especially the way he was coming on at the end of the year. Or the last quarter of this season, really. And then, you know, um, what he added in the ACC conference games, uh, uh, tournament games. Uh, he ended up second in scoring with just under 14 points. Call it 14 points, man. And about seven rebounds a game. He shot over 40% from three against North Carolina. Um, or if, or he actually finished a year shooting over... 40% from three, and uh, the what 36 points against North Carolina was the best night for an opponent in Chapel Hill. So, uh, according to our buddy James. Uh, so, anyways, Almost. We, we lose one of the best scoring nights for an opponent in Chapel Hill. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, we lose all that. And not only that, but you got to think this dude coming back is going to be just as good or better. I have to assume he's going to be better because we mm-hmm. watched him get better. Uh, he's going to go ahead and pursue his career 
in uh, professional ball. And I guess he, he is looking at the NBA draft, and I don't know. Um, you know, he's going to enter his name, and I guess we'll see. But I was thinking because he was holding out so long, Joe, that honestly he was going to be coming back. But he's not. So with that said, with that said, I'm just going to set this up. We'll talk about Judah Mintz. But with that said, um, we have right now with Judah Mintz, we have one scholarship left. So here's the, my question. Do, do we? Do, that was two. I'm sorry. No, we have one. We have one with Judah Mintz. We had two. And then his commitment, I think, took one. I can double but then Cole, But then Cole didn't come back. Hold on. Right? Though, but uh, Or does Chaz Owens no, have one? No, Chaz Owens has one. Yes, he does. Okay, that's why. Okay, one. Yeah. Yep, we have one scholarship. Yep. yep. So here's, the, here's my question. Do we... Do we look for... Okay, so you got to go to the transfer portal, right? That's what we got to do. Okay? So do we get a, do we get a, a center... Or do we get a, another forward, maybe someone that's got a little big experience and bring him in? Or do we just rely on these young guys at forward and just kind of hope and pray uh, at the center position? Because one's going to be a problem, I feel like, until things get rolling. So if it's me, honestly, if it's me, I, I, if we could get Quincy Ballard, okay? who is an SU prospect, who is transferring out of FSU. If, if I had to choose right now, and it could be recency bias, I would say, you know, let's snag. If we could, he made an official visit or scheduled to make an official visit. I would say we, we should snag him up. But, I mean, maybe you can make a case for Lewis and Swider too. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't be that hard. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because the way that it was, like the order operation, because Judah Mintz, he he or he he accepted our scholarship before Cole Swider said he was going to the NBA. Correct? Um, I want to say it was right before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, when Cole when Judah Mintz came and he said that he was coming. I, I I was very excited, and I thought, okay, this is something to where this could make up with some of the offense because obviously, you know, just in case Cole doesn't come. Um, but then when Frank Anselm put himself in the transfer portal, that was when I, I kind of said, okay, well, to me that's first priority because the way I look at it is you have a John Boljak. If Chaz Owens is on scholarship, then he I better be seeing some type of – you know, getting better. Well, you could have a you could have a bull, bull jock, uh, right? Go, but even but way. even then, Malik Brown, like we talked about before, I think he's got great defensive ability, um, and obviously he's your, Chris he's, your, he's your under the radar guy. He's my under the radar guy, just in case Chris Chris Bunch doesn't come in and and prove that he could score uh, at a decent rate as a true freshman, because I think that this guy can come in in defense, and I think. Last year was fun to watch their offense. wasn't fun to watch their defense. And we've also seen years where our defense has been ranked top 20, 30 in Ken Palm, and our offense has been very, very hard to watch, but we still do better and make tournaments. So me personally, I am worried about making up for the offense, but I'm more more concerned about making our team better for defense next year. Um, and Cole, he was a uh, kind of love-hate. 
I mean, Heather, she'll tell you that there was plenty of games, especially early, where Cole would do something like he'd have a turnover. I didn't like his strength in his hands and some early, of shit. early like, he was frustrating. And I would just get him out, get him out. I mean, I would say it out loud. You you call them you call you them garbage him. you call them garbage time Cole. That's what you call well, them. Be- <laughs> That's what you I call only them. said that because it just seemed like that in the beginning, that's where all of his scoring came from, you know? But as you see him get more comfortable in his role, and that's the sad thing about it, is it took him so long to get comfortable in his role and to kind of get right with the 2-3 zone that, you know, you get so frustrated. And then you see two out of his last three games where he goes bananas, and you're well, like, okay, I want him to come back now. Right, right. Like, well, that's kind of my point, that, that that he worked so hard to get it and they feel like one more year, obviously these kids don't want to go make money. And I don't blame, I don't blame them for that at all. I'm not hating on that. Not one bit. Right. Uh, but you figure one more year to raise that stock. I mean, you get one through one more year. I mean, the, 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 the money difference could be significant enough to where that's not only worth it. It just makes more sense. Now we'll never, yeah. we'll never know. Right. But uh, with someone on the trajectory that Cole was on, you got to imagine, like I just said, he's going to get better. And he'd be a leader of that team. Well, yeah, him and Joe Girard would have the most shots put up. They'd be the leading scorers. They'd be the guys, right? Um, but I think somebody, and again, I don't know if it's somebody in his ear, because he seems like, you know, every time you listen to, I mean, when you read, you know, his goodbye statement, right? You know, his letter to the fans, so to speak. And you listen to him talk when he was getting interviewed. It seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Kid's a smart kid mature kid he understands right um so i don't think he's getting played in one way or another but i think that he's in a situation where um somebody he trusts gave him some information where how he was playing at the end of the year was going to give him a chance to try to make the nba and instead of coming back and going through a whole year and taking some chances of possibly getting injured and Mm -hmm. taking another year of making decent money out you know um go after your dream Right. And, you know, I think I've seen some mock drafts where he's slipped into the end of the second round, which isn't guaranteed contracts, but he's going to make his way onto, you know, a G League team. He'll he'll play summer ball and all that stuff, and he'll have a chance to make to make a roster. And if he doesn't, then he can go overseas and make good money. And I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, you ask any normal person, hey, you you cool with making one hundred thousand dollars a year? Of course. Right. Playing, playing basketball can, part of the season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You play half the year playing yeah. basketball, and it's and a and hundred thousand is lowballing. Are not part of the season, part of the year. I'm sorry. Play. Right. Right. Yeah. So you got half. I mean, you're always training. You're always doing. You know, when you play sure. basketball. Yeah, absolutely. But, but but you're playing a game, and you're making a ridiculous amount of money tra- playing you, a game. Traveling that you love, right? and all that stuff. All that stuff is only is experience. Only, right. Yeah. yeah. So and then, like I said, a hundred thousand dollars is the low end of it. And this is now his fourth year. So you're talking about he's 22, 23. And I think that he just made a, a good decision. He didn't jump to, He didn't jump and make a bad decision. He took his time. He thought about it, got his parents involved, people involved. And, and you know, he made the best decision for him. And I'm never going to hate on him for that. Um, but I ain't going to lie to you. If he would have made that decision before Judah Mintz would have committed, then I'd have been worried. But once Judah Mintz committed, yeah, that, yeah. that helped me understand that Okay, we're gonna get a bit get a little bit of a relief with scoring and stuff like that. So, well, what's your what's your answer? You, you've obfuscated the the whole question. I guess <laughs> it's not that difficult. You, you got one scholarship left. Center. Uh, okay, me too. As soon okay, as Frank okay. Anselm 
went to the transfer portal. I can't trust Peter Carey. I, and that's like you right. said, and Peter Carey's coming off of a knee surgery, I think. And isn't he? I'm almost I, I'm almost positive not, he is. Not sure. But I do know that again, Quincy Ballard. Hold on. I'll verify. Uh, Go ahead. Quincy Ballard, he was uh we were in his top three when he chose Florida State, <clears throat> originally from Syracuse. Yeah. And I do believe that he's visiting Syracuse this season or this week and I believe. So um, to me, that's that's your scholarship. Now, I did see something in Inside the Loud House um, where <clears throat> Frank Kepnang from Oregon's six foot eleven senior transferring, and I did um, offer him, but he definitely got offered throughout, and I don't think we made his top three. Who was it? So, Say it again, because you broke up. Frank Kepnang. Okay. Yeah, and this just came out a couple of days ago. Um, I mean, it came out because it was, you know, it's just a new center going to the transfer portal and somebody that we offered a scholarship to. But, you know, when I look at it overall, I mean, I thought and speculated that Quincy, we were going to get Quincy Ballard anyway. And then he said he was visiting, and just the fact that he was top three from Syracuse and now Frank Anselm, I mean, we'll never know. But, like, what happened with that? Like, why did all of a sudden he, you know what I mean, just all of a sudden go to the transfer portal, right? Like, I I just didn't understand that. So, yeah, yeah. when the situation we're in now, like, I mean, look, Frank, I mean, Frank, he was a good backup. I'd like for him to stay, to have stayed. But for some reason, and whether it's because the the coaching staff told him that we were going to get a center through the transfer portal and somebody else is interested, or because he wants to go start somewhere, either way, he decided to do what he needed to do. And we know that we can't just rely on Jesse Edwards, and we damn sure can't rely on Peter Carey because we that's just an unknown. Well, here you go. So, from from Kevin Wall at Noon's Magician, um, Carey, it seemed like it was done with a long-term view of the game, but COVID and a knee injury have limited playing time significantly the last two seasons. Um, description of Carey's game often focus on his athletic ability so you wonder if it's the best interest for him to spend next season as a red shirt as he continues to recover from knee surgery so uh, yeah I mean and that's yeah I mean you're already you're coming in with knee injuries and stuff like that from high school not great and uh, I mean we saw Jesse Edwards I mean he did get a little bit better with fouls but he still much. struggles with the fouls, but his game is a whole lot better. So no, his game is definitely a whole lot yeah. better. But at the end of the day, we need somebody to be able to come back that up. Quincy Ballard I mean, would be great because what is I mean, Quincy we haven't Ballard? Even, Go the ahead. season's over, and I think Jesse Edwards picked up two fouls during this podcast. So <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, it's you know what I mean. Like we yeah. can't rely on that. So we need somebody, and if we truly only have one scholarship, we got to go center. Six. And I know Quincy Ballard didn't play a lot for Florida State, but he's a solid seven foot two forty. Okay, put that in the middle of the right. zone. That's that's Quincy, right? Yeah, Quincy Ballard, seven foot two forty. That's what I was just about to say. And um, he was. Oh, what's this national? National three thirty six. In New York, he was ranked thirteenth. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. in his recruiting season, so. Um, Obviously, it would be a huge get. Uh, being that he's a local guy, we recruited him before. He had a chance to go to FSU. It didn't work out. I think he. Co- I think we we nail this guy, and we're we're stacked for scholarships. That's gonna be it. Yeah, uh, 
I think so too. Okay, that uh, would be I, my guess. Yeah, if I had to put my money on it, that's if that's where I'd lay it. So, with that said, Joe. With that said, what what does this starting lineup look like? I mean, you got you got Benny and Bunch, and then, I mean, look the guards. I mean, Joe's time just got cut. Let, let's talk about Judah. Let's, in my opinion, maybe not right away, but look, Judah Mintz, dude, um, six three. I think he was, uh, he's another, he's another, um, top 100 ESPN top 100 that along yep. with Chris Bunch, right? So it's the second one on the team. We were ranked, our recruiting class was ranked 21st in the country before the Judah Mintz commitment. Okay. And it's now ranked 14th. All right. If that tells you anything. So, mm-hmm. um, really awesome offers from DePaul and then ACC rivals, Wake Forest and NC state. He chose us. Um, look, he's. Oh, he's also played with Justin Taylor and against Bunch um, in high school and stuff. So some familiarity there. And that brings the recruiting class up to six with Mintz, Bunch, Taylor, Copeland, Brown, and Carey. And like like Kevin Wall said, and like you've alluded to in the previous show, that Peter Carey doesn't give you the warm fuzzies exactly. Um, And then coming off of the knee surgery thing, uh, a red shirt does make sense. If we get Ballard, that would be fantastic. But what does Judah Mintz, besides this athletic ability, Joe, which is obvious, what do you what is he what is he bringing in to, to the to the guard spot? He's gonna definitely this is definitely gonna get interesting because you've got Mintz, Gerard, Copeland, and then Torrance. I mean, and, and don't count out Taylor, but it's stacked. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing with that is is that Taylor and Copeland are both six six. So, again, we sit there and we talk about opposite Benny. Is it going to be Chris Bunch? Is it going to be – Chris Bunch is only 6'7". So, Justin Taylor or Quadier Copeland could, all for all intents and purposes, be that little fill-in for that opposite side of Benny Williams on that forward when it comes to the 2-3 zone. Um, but as far as the guards are concerned, that's tough because I don't think that you can just not play Samir just because you just got Judah Mintz, right? Um, no, absolutely and, not. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's really where, again, like you said, I think that Joe's time is going to get cut a little bit. I think that he's going to get his shots. He's going to probably be a shooting guard. And at the end of the day, I don't know if it's hard because I, I almost want to say Jude is going to start. I mean, and I and I hate look. that for that because so Samir, he showed off, you know, near the end that you know I think that he was ready to get more minutes. And even after this offseason, I expect him to be better to where he can prove to be the starter. But when you, you look at Judah, I mean, and he this played at can, Oak Hill, right? So yeah. his game is so smooth. He can score at all levels. <clears throat> he can yep. finish. He's 6'3", but his wingspan is like a 6'6 six, six or 6'7". I mean, and he does everything right. He runs out with the ball. He breaks out with the ball. There's never really any... Like he takes advantage of that time where he sees the rebound and now, okay, I can get an advantage on my opponent and then goes and um, he runs out. I mean, you're talking fast break and he could easily be a shooting guard as well if you had a a point guard that you could come in and couple with him. So um, I'm really, really excited about it. And also, too, I mean, he's great on defense. And uh, from what the coach, his coach said in high school, um, He's, he's bought in. He's, he buys into the zone. He understands the zone. He understands the passing lanes in the zones when they play it and understands why they play it and why you do certain things in it, which is a plus to begin with. So to me, 
this guy is even upstairs. He's got the game of basketball. basketball I don't want to say I don't want to say down, but it seems like he picks it up a little bit faster than others, right? Um, the only the only negative that I've heard is is that sometimes he can get a little flashy, you know, not play within within his game and do some uncharacteristic things. But you know that Coach Beheim and G-Mac Gilly, and, and, and Red Autry, they're going to – they're gonna, yeah. yeah. So you, you're not going to play if you – You've do. got the depth there too. I mean there's – there's the, look, the, the – we I mean we've dubbed – we did it before. I remember anybody else doing it. Dubbing Jim Beheim the chemist. He's got so many ingredients for matchup situations or game time situations or anything. He's got the pieces. He's got all the ingredients for – for to do almost, I mean, so much. I don't want to say anything, but so much more until we get another center. So much more than what we've seen the past couple of years. That this this guard spot is just stacked, dude. It's just stacked. Oh yeah. And, and you and you got to wonder, like, how many of these guys come back? Um, I mean, obviously we got to see what the no, year I mean, you like, never but, know right yeah i mean it's, i think uh, what's going to be crazy is the difference between how many three-pointers we made this year to what we're going to make next year because that's the one thing i worry about is that where the three-pointers are going to come from sans joe gerard well you've right? got guys that can drive the lane too now and you got guys the thing can penetrate and and, and finish and also you know get that foul and and get and get to the line too so yeah and that's when he when, he, when he committed it's i just got so excited because it's going to be a completely different team. We're going to go from a team that's pretty much predominantly jump shooting, not the most athletic team, best there, moving team, to now we're going to have lineups to where literally he can be like, all right, all I need to do is pull this guy and pull this guy, and I can play man-to-man, or I can press more, or I can, and I think... Oh, the press, you know I mean? the press is going to, the, the issues with the press are going to be gone. I wouldn't be shocked if we're not talking a whole lot about rebounding in the negative next year. Um, Fast break points. Yeah. Points in the paint, Fast. like I just mentioned, all, yep. all of those things it seems to be when you look at this roster are going to change. So, um, anyway, they are going to change. <laughs> yeah. The problem yeah. is, is that how can you go from so many shots missed to now? Again, it's just filling up roles. Who's going to step up and, and take on the role? I don't think we're going to have a problem with Joe saying, "Okay, I'll play shooting guard. I'll take that role on." We're gonna uh, have Joe's, Joe's going to have to be <clears throat> a role player. Joe's going to, and and I think he will. It's not going to be Joe Girard, 37-minute Joe Girard. No, but I think he's definitely going to play a a very important role. I think think so, too. Honestly, with this change, because, again, if he comes out and plays point guard, then then I'll be right on board with the Bayheim questioners and all that kind of stuff. I don't think we can (laughs) do that. I don't think he does that. that, I think think next year he's going to do some different things, play around with stuff. He knows he's near the end of his road. His sons are gone. Now he's got the athleticism. It would kind of be foolish to not kind of play around and maybe change some things up, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the best Joe Girard that we've seen in less minutes. Yeah, he's going to have yeah, to be man. more efficient. He's, and he, and going he's, he's, he's going to be more efficient. He's going to be more efficient, but he's going to be in his. He's played off the ball, and he's going to be in his natural role. He's not going to be relied on. The reason he was he was playing points because we had to have him play point. Like, yeah. It wasn't his choice. And like I want to play day, point guard. Well, and then, yeah, as a point guard last year, you could have looked at it. He could have scored 20 points, but you can always go back to that turnover to assist ratio and be like, oh, that's kind of garbage for a point guard, you know? Um, We don't need that. You know, if you're going to be a score first point guard, you got to still be efficient with that, and you got to still be able to to dish the ball off and you'd be great for others. So um, 
hopefully that's where he goes. And like I said, if he does, I think that him playing off the ball, just no, no more point guard, just off the ball, right? It's either Judamins or Samir Torrance, who's who's a point guard or Quadir or whoever. You're you're shooting guard off the ball. Run around, make your guy, you know, run around picks, make your guy tired, and and get open shots, right? And if he does that and just concentrates on that, like I said, I think that we could see a better, more efficient Joe Girard. I see the best Joe Girard that we've seen in the last four years with less minutes. Yeah, I think so too. And um, it'll be interesting to watch another. Another Syracuse team that I'm not going to set expectations for because I've learned my lesson, but I'm very, very excited to see this team hit the floor. Uh, With the last little bit we got left, uh, we got Jesse waiting in the green room. Let's bring Jesse on. Jesse, you're in Kentucky, right? Is that where you're at? Hello, Jesse. You there? Hello? Hey, Jesse, what's up, man? You're you're in Kentucky. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So look, Jesse had DM'd me on the Facebook, and we tried to set something up the last time we uh, did a show, and he couldn't make it. So I, I went and I went ahead and hit the green room um, this evening, and he was able to come on. So um, what's going on, man? You got some you got some some basketball stuff you want to talk, right? Yeah. So let me preface by uh, saying that. I think it's right before the game before they went on the winning streak that they went on the four or five game winning streak. Um, I I stopped watching them at that point. Um, I have two kids, so that's right around bedtime was when the basketball games were going on, and uh, and they were just frustrating to watch at the time too. So I kind of just stopped watching them. It was kind of I don't know if like a recording how do you would re- re- record it without um, like YouTube TV whatever but anyway i wasn't getting the game so um i kind of stopped watching and i mostly watched lakers games and i could see like a huge parallel between those two like teams playing this year um and so there's a lot about the end of the season that i'm just not sure of that makes sense okay well um all right well what do you got um so just a couple questions like i said i didn't see the last Really know how it ended, but um, I was gonna ask: Do you think that um, Buddy's coming back? Is there any chance of that? Because I haven't heard any thing about him leaving yet. Or not. No, 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 no. He's no, gone. No, no. Uh, Cole's gonna be gone. Jimmy's gone. And uh, we got you know there was something that came out this week that Joe's gonna come back. Frank obviously. Anselm. Frank Anselm hit the transfer portal. Um, Samir Torrance is coming back and Jesse Edwards is coming back. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. So the Beheim brothers are gone. Okay. And then we've got, we've just got, you know, we got six new recruits that are, that are going to be pretty solid guys that we were talking about. And I don't know if how much of that you heard in the green room, but, um, you know, with the Judah Mintz edition and, um, Cole leaving, you pretty much are looking at Jesse and Samir and Joe as as the staples. Nice. Yeah. So it's gonna I mean it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this year. Um, I I think in your what we had. Um, but yeah, I think that Joe. 
I think looked much, much better coming, kind of playing off the ball. That was definitely a huge step in the right direct direction for us. Um, him with the ball in his hands for as much as he had was just, it was pretty tough. Agreed. Yeah, well, that you know, I, I think that he's not going to be playing. He's going to be playing the two next year, and it's going to be it's going to be a little different next year for Joe. I mean, this whole team is going to the, the whole dynamic's going to change. The athleticism is just going to be so much better. Um, yes. I wanted to ask you guys too, um, Joe especially. Um, out of the last thirteen years that Syracuse played basketball this is a comment from earlier you said that they were like top 20 in um defense out of the last 13 10 of those 13 years so they were just really really good on defense um i think that's probably gonna be the the thing that is gonna help this year as opposed to last year or the athleticism on defense compared to last year? Or the defense period? Because the defense period, you could just go on because, like we were saying, as far as the rebounds go and things like that, like I think all of that stuff's going to improve. The, the, the team's longer, like Joe mentioned. Joe, fast breaks. I mean, just turning defense into offense, I think is going to be significantly different next year. And, and that's the difference, right? So the difference is, and if this... Uh, this might make sense to some but not others right if you just okay we're a good offensive team we're really good shooters you know and this is snap our defense is kind of huh you know you're gonna have some nights where well your defense still sucks no matter what and if you were off or you don't miss if you rely on outscoring somebody something can easily easily go wrong whether it's foul trouble whether it's just some guys having bad days on top of the fact that defense like to sean's point it creates offense a lot when you get turnovers when you get rebounds and you get out the fast breaks um and that's where the difference is i'd much rather have a more defensive oriented team because you can replicate defense night in and night out that's just effort you don't need to put the ball in the hoop to play defense you just need to <laughs> rotate and then that if you play it good enough turns into just automatic free points anyway layups you know whether it's free throws fast break points whatever so um that's where i want to get back to too and i think next year is definitely definitely going to be that type of year i mean we're losing a lot of shots from you know cole and and, and the brothers the Bayheim brothers but um but they're going to come from somewhere else and these guys might not be as efficient, but we're going to get more layups from fast breaks and dunks from fast breaks. And we're going to have a better defense so that we don't have to score as many points because we're not going to allow the other teams to score. So just having a better defense and allowing your defense to be able to make offense and all that kind of stuff, just to me personally, put your team in a, in a better chance to win. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, thanks, man. I don't know what happened. The connection dropped or something. Uh, I, I know you, I think you're still listening, but you're, you were breaking up real bad. And I, th- I had a, I had a thing popping up on, in the app that said the connection was bad. So, uh, I think it dropped you, but no, oh, man, I had a question too. What was your question? He can type it. Well, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Jesse, whenever you get a chance, um, I said, I was interested because he lives in Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. I believe well, who so. Beat yeah. Kentucky. What do you mean, who beat Kentucky? Who beat Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? St. Peter's. Yeah. I want to know about the Kentucky fans that he lives around <laughs> and how they felt. <laughs> because yeah, must, that was uh, St. Peter's and Mustache Melvin out there. 
fucking <laughs> going crazy. What's his name? Well, Greg, you know, Greg what? Greg, Greg, Greg Ebert. What's his name? Ebert. Yeah. Okay. Hey, do you know he? You know that he puts he's the in the portal. The transfer portal, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, I saw their top three guards in the transfer portal because they're and you know Shaheen Holloway got. Yeah, the, he left. He went to uh, yeah Seton Hall. The, yeah, that's where he played basketball. Oh no, kidding! He played okay. against Syracuse in the Big East. I oh, remember no playing. Okay. Yeah, when we played against Seton Hall, he was a very, very good point guard for Seton Hall. Very humble guy. I enjoyed watching the St. Peter's run. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the farthest any 15 seeds ever made. We've seen a 16 seed beat a one or 15, but we've never seen. It was, what, what did they make? The Elite Eight? Yes, because uh, UNC beat them to play Duke. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun. This tournament was a lot of fun despite Syracuse not being in it. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, before it started, I'm like, I'm not going to watch this crap. It's it's I, Coach I K's farewell. I, I, I just that's why that was my point. I was just like I can't, I can't, I can't not watch the tournament. I don't care. Regardless. I just cheer for I just cheer for ACC team every fifteen every seed, upset. every sixteen seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Every upset. Yeah, exactly. Anyone but Duke is my rule when in the NCAA tournament. If Syracuse isn't in it any longer. Anyone but Duke. I really don't care. Yeah. Anyone but Duke. Hey, and there were some good upsets, and still, Final Four was filled with nothing but a bunch of blue bloods. Yeah, 50% ACC. I'll say it again. ACC in the down year. Um, Okay. Like we said, though, about UNC, they're so beatable, but they're so good, too. (laughs) We had them right there on the ropes. I know. Caleb Love, that was the start. Yeah, that was the start. His shot. That shot, and then we were lucky for Joe to go down and go into overtime. Then we went into overtime. Caleb Love went crazy. And then from then on, he was like averaging 25 points a game. It was nuts. Yeah. And I think them losing in the ACC tournament, too, helped. Not for anything. Um, Yeah, a little bit. You know, I mean, I think that always plays into it. Like, if you win the tournament, like, that's tough to win the tournament and then win the tournament. So anyway, yeah. well, yeah. and too, you got you do got to look at the fact that it does take a little bit of luck too, right? Because I mean, sure. they got an eight seed. I hate getting an eight nine seed because I don't want to play a one seed in the second round. No, it but sucks. they happen to get a Baylor team that was a little beat up, right? Yeah. It was a little injured, and then you get St. Peter's <laughs> in the Elite Eight. I mean, it's just you got to have a little bit of luck every once in a while, right? St. Peter's was uh, tremendous. Uh, it was fun. Um, all right. That, I think, is going to do it for us uh, this evening. And uh, we appreciate all of you, obviously, for tuning in and hanging out. And look, be on the lookout. As news comes, so do we. So sorry to take these two weeks breaks. It feels a little weird getting back, but I was chomping at the bit today. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I uh, appreciate you yep. guys listening. Till next time, for Joe, I'm Sean. We're out. Peace.